Welcome to Declaration Life. I'm your host, Christabel Braden. I'm a survivor of traumatic brain injury and a singer-songwriter, and I just love sharing hope and joy and encouragement and life, and that's what this podcast is all about, living with intention. Today, I'm thrilled to welcome Jackie Velasquez, who's an award-winning, multi-platinum-selling recording artist. She's also an author. Her brand new book, When God Rescripts Your Life, came out last fall, and the tagline says, seeing value, beauty, and purpose when life is interrupted. And that's exactly what we're going to be talking about today. She is going to share some of her life story and the wisdom that she has gained And I am just thrilled to have her here today. You are in for a treat. Thank you so much for listening. And let's go ahead and get started. So I'm not giving up. Live a declaration life. Declare your purpose. Declare your place. Declare your work. I truly believe that what you tell yourself matters. And you have to be telling yourself the right things. Here at Declaration Life, that's what we are all about. Declaring life, truth, hope over our lives intentionally and choosing to live with purpose. Every episode, we start out with the declaration segment. And this is where I share a declaration that we can speak over our life together for this week. Now, normally it's a phrase that you can repeat to yourself. Sometimes it's an action. Today, I actually wanted to share a piece of scripture as our declaration. This is Proverbs 3, verses 5 through 8. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him and he will make your paths straight. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and shun evil. This will bring health to your body and nourishment to your bones. I love this passage so much. And whenever I'm going through something, actually on almost a daily basis, I find myself back at these four verses because our natural tendency is to lean on our own understanding. When we are going through anything, it makes human sense to lean on what we understand and what we comprehend and what's in front of us. And when we focus so heavily on our own perception of things, often we miss out on the bigger picture. Trusting in the Lord with all our heart means placing our confidence in who God is more so than our limited understanding of whatever's happening. When we trust in Him with all our heart, we're placing our trust in the God of the universe who created the heavens and the earth. The God who came to earth, fulfilled all the prophecies, died, and was risen again. In the person of Jesus Christ, we're placing our trust in the Holy Spirit who is with us. As we place our faith in Christ, we become vessels of the Holy Spirit and we carry him with us. He's not far away. He's not some something that we can't understand at all. 
He's near. And he understands and he has compassion for our life and for our situation. Through the word of God, over and over again, we see the mercy, the love, the compassion of our Father in heaven and the love that he has for us. So when we trust in him with all our heart, we're placing our heart in the hands of the only one who is trustworthy to carry it. God is big enough to carry our heart, our worries, our mistakes, our struggles, our anxiety, our fears, all of that. And we place our trust in him instead of on the limited view we have and the things that we can't understand. And the word says, in all your ways, submit to him and he will make your path straight. So as we submit to God and we bring our desires in front of him, we lay it at his feet and we allow him to mold us and shape us on a daily basis. We spend time in the word, we pray, we connect with God in all the ways that that we personally connect with him. I know everyone's different. For me, creativity, painting, singing, writing songs, that's a really big way that I connect with God. And so when I am going through something and I'm working on, all right, Lord, I want to surrender to you, but I need help getting there. For me, it's usually something creative that that pushes me over the edge and brings me to that place of, of full surrender. But everyone's different. But no matter how you personally connect to God, in all your ways as you submit to him, the word says he will make your path straight, which means that he will lead you and make your path and make your journey and make your life into something beautiful. The word says, do not be wise in your own eyes, fear the Lord and shun evil. Basically, don't think you know everything. (laughs) (laughs) which we kind of do. But when we come to the Lord with a humble heart and we go, okay, I don't really get it. It goes, it's, it goes, it goes back to trusting in him and not leaning on our own understanding. When we we're not wise in our own eyes, we know that there's a lot that we don't know. Basically, (laughs) there's a lot that I don't know, but I'm going to choose to place my trust in God. I'm going to choose to fear God more than I fear anything else. And the fear of God is this awe of God, knowing that he's all powerful, but yet he loves us so much. It enables us to shun evil and to choose a life following him. And then verse eight says, this will bring health to your body and nourishment to your bones. So as we follow him, he heals us from the inside out. He, he makes us whole and he makes us ready to live the life that he's created for us. So today's declaration is those four verses, Proverbs 3, 5 to 8. And I want to encourage you to read it for yourself. Dig into the word, dig into who God is in scripture and who he's revealed himself to be to his people and know that As we place our trust in him through our journey of life, he will be close to us and he will lead us every day and every moment. On today's interview, I'm going to be speaking with Jackie about trusting in God. She's going to share some of her life story, and I know it's going to be encouraging to you how God can rescript our life when our life is interrupted. So let's go ahead and move right into the interview. 
Welcome, Jackie, to the podcast. Thank you so much for coming. Thank you so much for having me, Christabel. I appreciate I appreciate the invitation. How about that? <laughs> well, I'm so glad you were able to do this interview. I actually met Jackie how many years ago now? Six? Seven? Oh, my goodness. Uh, probably, probably seven years ago, yeah. Yeah, it was 2013. And yeah, yeah. Jackie came to do a concert at my college I was at. And they asked me to be the opening act. And I met her and her husband. And she is just amazing. I've just been blown away by her kindness and openness. And um, I actually, we've stayed friends. I stayed at their house in November for like a week. (laughs) Yeah, it was awesome. But, you know, it's funny how there are people you meet in life that you just have this kind of connection kind of like a bond if you will that you just yeah. uh, like the friendship never uh, like you don't have to see each other for five years but then you pick right back up so yeah so Jackie has an amazing story and an amazing life she is very very accomplished and I look up to her in so many ways and I'm just so so excited that she's here to share her story with all of you so Jackie do you want to go ahead and just share a little bit of your background, who you are. Sure, sure. So I live in Franklin, Tennessee. I'm a wife. I'm a singer. I'm a mother. I'm now an author. I'm, I do act. And some people would say not very well. Um, (laughs) (laughs) But um, I just, I, I love God. I love my husband. I love my children. And of course, I have been a room mom. I have been on the board at my kids' school. And I just enjoy, I enjoy making people happy, especially my family. That's who I want to make the most happy. But um, I started traveling when I was nine years old. My parents were pastors prior to that. And so when my dad got called into the evangelistic field, an evangelist is someone like a traveling pastor that goes from church to church so that the pastor of the church can have like a Sunday morning off. So he, you know, we used to travel like that because I was the youngest and I was still in school. My parents had to take me with them, but I was homeschooled in the back seat of our car that we traveled from city to city to city. So that's how I got kind of, I sang before I could speak. But then when I was nine is when I started singing in front of people. We would travel from Colorado to New Mexico, to New Mexico, to Oregon, to New York City, but always in the back of our Honda Accord. So that's how I kind of got into music. When I was 12 years old, somebody saw me singing and took a video and sent it back to Nashville. So the gentleman that they sent it back to ended up becoming my manager, He liked the video and had a label come out to see me sing when I was 12 or was I 13? I forget. Anyway, so uh, they came out to see me sing. They signed me to a record deal. My parents and I moved to Nashville, Tennessee after I got my record deal because I was like 14 at that point. So I couldn't just live by myself. (laughs) So we all moved to Nashville and my first record, Heavenly Place, came out when I was 16 years old. It was successful and I was really grateful. And, you know, God is so good that, you know, that to be able to make music and and call that your living, it's a blessing. Yeah. 
A lot of you guys might know some of her songs. I'm holding her book right now, her new book that came out, When God Rescripts Your Life. At the top, it says, award-winning, multi-platinum selling recording artist. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So fancy. That's so much much pressure is what it is. It's like, oh, God. um, The funny thing is, actually, it was the day before yesterday, my kids and I were sitting at the table because I have two boys, a 12-year-old, an 11-year-old. Zealand is 12. Soren is is 11. So 12 and 11. And so the other day I was like, hey guys, so um, I don't I don't even know what sparked the conversation. So my youngest, he goes, mom, mom, like how come your name is Jackie Velasquez? That's so weird. And I'm like, it's <laughs> not my name. My name is Jackie Gonzalez because I have the same last name as you guys. You know, you're my kids. I married your dad. And then he's like, he tells, asked me again, he goes, it's just so weird that you like have a different last name, Velasquez. <laughs> and I say that because you're talking about multi-platinum and all that stuff. My kids could care less. In fact, when was it? About six months ago, we were taking the kids on a Disney cruise for my birthday because I was turning 40. So my guess, my gift to, their gift to me was taking them on a Disney cruise. <laughs> <laughs> so, so we were doing an event the day before we were going to leave on our cruise. And I looked out at my children and both my kids were asleep in their chairs while I was singing. <laughs> so my kids don't even care about that stuff. So actually that stuff doesn't even go to my head anymore because my kids and my family knows how to keep me grounded for sure. <laughs> I love, I love your voice so much. <laughs> Well, they love you. They have the best personalities. We literally <laughs> sat in the basement watching, what was it, Teen Titans Go? Like, <laughs> oh, Yeah, I know. They're such, they're such, uh, they're really good kids, which is such a blessing. But, okay, so I got off track. Sorry. but Yeah, um, no, you're good. You're good. Yeah. So, okay, yeah, okay, just good, continue good. from where you were saying. So, your book is called When God Rescripts Your Life, Seeing Value, Beauty, and purpose when life is interrupted. So do you want to kind of share how your life has gotten interrupted? Oh, how hasn't it gotten interrupted? So uh, recently, I married a guy from Austin, Texas. Um, He's the lead singer for the band Salvador. His family, like they're all like born and raised Austin. They are super Texan proud, right? So we got when we got married, the deal for me to marry him was I said, you're going to have to move to Nashville. So he moved to Nashville. He left his parents. He left his brother. He left, you know, his nieces and nephews over there and came to live in Nashville. Well, recently, about, well, two years ago, all his family moved to Nashville. So in that move, there was a lot of like, um, like my mother-in-law moved from a 3,600 square foot house to a... 1100 square foot house. So she had lots of furniture to give up. So in that process, she needed some space to put her stuff. So when your in-laws move across, you know, across the country for the sole purpose of just wanting to be around their grandkids and be around their son, you know, you kind of have to do some give and take. So I took some pieces off her plate and put them in my house. They did not fit at all. Nothing fits. Like it was all these antiques and stuff, just not my style at all. Cause I tend to lean towards modern. So one of the pieces that she 
gave me happened to be an old sewing cabinet. And um, the sewing cabinet was just kind of yucky and not me, but there was, you know, she had no more space. So I took the sewing cabinet, put it in my living room. Actually, I put it outside first because I did not know where I was going to put this thing. As time went on, I just realized how many times in our lives that we are handed something that does not live up to our expectations, does not seem like it's what we're supposed to be, um, how we pictured our lives looking. Our oldest son was born in 2007. His name is Zeeland. He is in sixth grade now. When he was born, I remember thinking to myself, wow, I could have 10 of these because he was such an easy, easy baby. Um, thank God he was born first because had the little one been born first, he would have been an only child. He was a very difficult baby, the little one, but the big brother was <laughs> super duper easy. Uh, the boys are pretty close in age. They're 14 and a half months apart. So with that, you know, they kind of grow up like Irish twins, if you will. They kind of, you know, do all the same stuff at the exact same time kind of thing. But when Zealand was at uh, 19 months old, we started noticing that he wasn't like meeting the milestones of other kids his age. So typically in those situations, I like to bury my head in the sand, but he's my son, so I couldn't bury my head in the sand. So we had some early intervention come in and basically do some tests on him, just, you know, different stuff, just to see where we're at. So they call it a pervasive developmental delay. Well, delay is he's going to catch up. So I was hopeful we were willing to do anything we had to do when it comes to like um, if he needed therapy. So we got a speech therapy, occupational therapy, every kind of therapy you can possibly imagine. And, you know, the hope was that he was going to catch up. His kindergarten year rolls around. We put him in kindergarten. I learned a word I'd never heard before, which was called IEP, Individualized Educational Program. Okay, cool. IEP. So they basically roll out the red carpet of IEPs for my oldest son. And I'm just so grateful. He's going to have a helper to help him with a bunch of stuff. So he's going to catch up, right? Second grade rolls around. At this point, uh, little brothers in kindergarten and big brothers in second grade. And um, it's so interesting to me because... I had to have this, you know, another IEP meeting yet again, had this meeting. We were sitting in this, you know, big giant room and tons of, you know, the principal, the vice principal, people from the district, from our school district were sitting in there. And they basically told me, you know, Mr. Well, this is exactly what they said. They said, Mr. and Mrs. Gonzalez, Zealand is autistic. And so the pediatrician concurred, everybody agreed. But I remember thinking to myself, just feeling, just feeling so broken because how could they tell me that, that my kid, that my kid was broken? Because see, the thing is, uh, my husband and I both have been singing for Jesus, to Jesus, about Jesus since our childhood. So for God to hand me a son that the world tells me is broken or missing pieces, 
just didn't seem fair because when I was pregnant with Zealand, I remember, I remember just knowing that God had a ministry for him, just believing it with my whole heart that this, this boy was going to be in ministry. So at this point, you're telling me he's autistic. How in the world how can, can he be in ministry if he can't communicate? To be in ministry, you have to be able to communicate. That's just reality. So I had to go through like a, a pretty intense, like a mourning period. I had to, I began to mourn the dreams I had for Zealand. I had to mourn them, cry over them, be angry at God. And let me tell you, I was angry at God. I was angry. I was like, how could you? I have been singing about you my entire life. I've been a Christian. If you can be born a Christian, I was born a Christian, but that's impossible, obviously. I was raised in a Christian home. Everything has been about ministry. So this is not the way this is supposed to roll out. That's not fair. So I kept kind of just yelling and asking the question, why me? Why me? Why me? It was about six months later that it was like something in me just clicked. And I stopped asking the question, why me? And started asking the right question, which was, why not me? Why not me? Why not me? And that was a turning point. Because during that whole time, I was so angry with God for giving me this, this path that I know nothing about. I don't understand it. it. It's, they don't teach you how to do this stuff in school, right? So during that time, I was angry with him. He never said anything to me. Like he didn't speak to me. He didn't, he didn't chastise me. He didn't, you know, he just said nothing. But when I started asking the right question, which was, why not me? That's when he, he, I could feel him just say, okay, now get back up, dust yourself off, and it's time to start fighting. Hmm. Now, in the moment, I didn't know what fighting meant. I'm like, what? Don't you know that is not my personality type? I don't like confrontation. I don't like to argue. I like a simple, peaceful, just, you know that kind of world. And now I have to get up and fight? Well, yes, because God saw something in me that I didn't see in myself. He saw more strength than I could see in myself. And the thing about God that is incredible is he begins to equip you before you even realize what you're getting equipped for. So never doubt that he's going to give you a path that he hasn't, without you even realizing, been equipping you for this entire time. It might seem like just like the biggest challenge, like there's no way I could ever do this, but he has been chipping away and equipping you without you even realizing it. Yeah, I love that. Mm-hmm. When you said that, God saw strength in you that you didn't see in yourself and that the whole time God has been 
equipping you and working the whole time, like that just hit me in the heart, like (laughs) so much because, yeah, we don't always understand what's happening and it can feel often chaotic to us. And scary. Yeah. But the whole time, the way you just so eloquently put it, that the whole time God's been chipping away and, and molding you in a sense, he, it's beautiful. Well, but that's what he does with all of us, not just with me. It's just being willing to see it. It's being willing to acknowledge it. Okay, God, I see what you've been doing there. I get it. Yeah. <laughs> so continue your story. Okay, so... As far as, you know, Zealand, you know, now he's 12. And I've had to, I've had to fight for my child. I've had to be in meetings with people that control the education process for my children. But not just my big kid, but they also control the education process for my younger one. So how can I fight for this kid and possibly tick these people off? And then it affects my baby. It's, it's a huge conundrum. But God had been equipping me. God had been, I, I don't know what it is, but I guess because the fact that when I started, uh, when the kids started school, when Zealand started school, I dove right in. I became room mom for Zealand's kindergarten year. I became the first person to volunteer to help with anything and everything. I was willing to help with the school no matter what from top to bottom prior to what was going to occur, which was Zealand being autistic and the realization that I was going to have to fight because no one was going to be angry with me because I put in my time. So they're like, okay, we're on your side. What can we do to help Zealand? Okay, well, I need this, 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 all that to say, you know, now he's in middle school. I think my next book is going to be autism and adolescence. Because, because because it's like, this is like a whole, it's like having a newborn baby all over again, <laughs> trying to figure out what to do with this. <sighs> but, you know, God is so good. And what I didn't realize is how God had been equipping me, well, by way of my husband with the most important fruit of the spirit that I would ever need. And that was patience. See, with Zealand, I have to have a lot of patience just getting him to have a, just getting to spit a sentence out and for it to, you know, to not take five minutes just to, just to get it out. It takes a lot of patience. So God is constantly equipping us. But I can tell you this, this is not the script that I would have written for my family or for my life. Uh, You could have never told me that I was going to have a special needs son. You could have never told me that my younger son will never understand what it feels like to be the baby, to be the baby brother, because already 11 years old, his story has been rescripted completely. His story has changed. He doesn't get to be the baby. He is the big brother. His, his birth order says he's the baby. But when it comes to, to being responsible and to to being the person that we can just say, hey, Soren, can you, can you make sure that, you know, X, Y, Z? He's like, yeah. In fact, sometimes he even does the talking for his brother because his brother just can't get it out. So our stories are always being rescripted. 
They're always evolving. They're always changing. You could have never told me that when I was 23 years old, I would have gone through a divorce. Well, 24, but who's counting? But I did. I got married to somebody accidentally and intentionally divorced about a year and a few months later. It was a poor choice that I made on my own, but but I was the problem is many times we try to DIY our lives. When we DIY, we mess it all up. So instead of trying to DIY like our lives and our stories, just we have to allow God to connect the dots for us, to write the script, because his story is the perfect story. I mean, think about it. He is the author of the greatest story ever told the Holy Bible. So, I mean, he, he is in the business of writing the best scripts ever. I really like the way that you put that, Jackie, about the scripts and how God is the one who is writing our scripts. And of course, your book is called When God Rescripts Your Life. But when you talk about DIY, I think that's something we can all relate to. But in your situation, it was a little different because the whole world was watching, right? Oh, yeah. So I think I remember reading in your book, at that point, it was like 50-something magazines that you'd been on the cover of. Yeah. And even People Magazine had done a feature about you getting married. Uh-huh. So can you just share a little bit more about what that was like? Well, the funny thing about being so young and being thrust into a career where people are watching is when you're young, you make poor choices because you're selfish. And I was definitely selfish. And at times I was bratty, but um, a lot of times I would make career choices based on what I thought was the right choice instead of heeding the wisdom of the people around me. So I chose to do a film it was called Chasing Poppy. It was a 20th century Fox film. It was starring Sofia Vergara from Modern Family, Rosalind Sanchez from, I can't remember what show she's on, but she does a bunch of stuff, and Eduardo Verasti. So it was about a story about three girls that all found out they were dating the same guy, but they all lived in different places. So it was my first audition ever, and I got the part. So in my mind, I was going, this is totally what God wants me to do. I mean, think about it. It's my first audition and I got the part. So I was not heeding the wisdom of those around me. So I just kind of, I chose to do the film, even though it was not probably the right choice because it was kind of like this. It was kind of like being handed the keys to a sports car but not knowing how to drive. So that's kind of how that time in my life was. After I made the film, a lot of people were very unhappy with that choice. So pastors, promoters, radio stations just started pulling my music and canceling my shows. So what I tried to do, because, I mean, I just thought, I have to fix this, right? I have to fix this. So I decided to pull a rabbit out of my hat. And I decided just to, you know, get married so I could look like I was safe, like a good girl, because it was kind of a big deal for me to get to get married. I'd been like, you know, kind of a poster child for true love waits, not just in the English industry, but in the Spanish industry as well. 
you know, people did all the stories and it was kind of a big deal. The, the true love waits, the little virgin girls getting married. Oh my goodness. Okay. So I DIY'd a poor choice with another poor choice. I married this guy and he was a good guy. He, he just wasn't my guy, but we, a year and a few months later got divorced instead of, uh, instead of sticking around and, you know, waiting for everybody to tell me that, you know, just, I didn't want to hear the backlash because once again, yeah, the, the marriage made a lot of headlines, but the divorce made a lot of headlines too. Mm-hmm. So, so I decided to run away, but the problem with running away is you take you with you. So I ran away to London, England, to go learn Spanish. I know that makes no sense, but I found a great school there and I went to go learn Spanish. So I, I went to school like four days a week and it was called Instituto Cervantes. And so I would learn my Spanish, trying to, you know, figuring that I had had a Christian, you know, music kind of thing, but they may not want me back. So maybe I should focus my attention on my Spanish inspirational music. So I was learning Spanish but I missed my mom. So I came home and it was about, Oh, when was it? It was about a year and a half later. I can't remember. I was 26 years old and I um, was back in the States and I got a phone call from a boy that I had dated back when I was making the movie chase and puppy. And he had actually told me not to make the movie. He was like, you shouldn't make that movie. But, you know, I could just break up with him, so that was easy <laughs> back then. Um, but I got a phone call from him, and he uh, asked me out another date. And I couldn't believe it. It happened to be the guy that I'm married to now, the same guy that I'd broken his heart, you know, years prior. Broken his heart so much so, like, I even got married during that whole process. So I broke up with him and got married. You know, that's just like, okay, poor salt in the wound. But um, he asked me to go out on a date. It was probably about four, well, that was, I think, July, August, September, October, November. We got married five months later in December. And we now have two boys. So the thing about life is this. At times we are going to, we're going to make poor choices instead of trying to fix it yourself, because that's just going to be another poor choice. Our posture needs to be this, Father, God, when you look at David in the Bible, just use that same posture. Father, God, I have made a mistake. Please help me because DIYing your mistake is just going to bring that much more heartache and heartbreak. So focusing in after we've made poor choices to ask God, what can you do with this? What can you make with this? Because I'm pretty broken, but I know that you make beauty from ashes and I feel like ashes right now. Just allowing God to take our story and write our story for us, but also being willing to walk in obedience in the path that he wants for you and that he has set for you instead of trying to go your own direction, which we all try to do, but there is no joy in that. There is no fulfillment in that because what happens is you end up messing it up anyway. So my divorce, all that stuff 
Now I'm married. I have two boys. <sighs> you couldn't have told me that these would be the paths that I would be on. But God had set these paths aside because they were strictly they were strictly Jackie paths that Jesus had chosen for me. And if you allow God, he will take your mess up and he will use it for his glory. He will he will rewrite the story that you have just royally messed up. He will rewrite it in a beautiful way. Sometimes it's scary though, but that's okay. It's okay to be unsure of the uncertain, but trusting that God is in control. When we finally realize that we have no control, because what is at the core of the need for control? It's fear, right? We're scared. But when we can finally get to a point where we allow God to be in control completely, that's not easy. Trust me, I'm a mother. It's not easy. But when we realize that God is in complete control and we just let go of the reins, man, there's so much beauty in that kind of surrender. Yeah, that's beautiful. That's amazing. Thank you for sharing all of your story. Thank you. I wanted to ask you now, um, you were talking about when you let God be in control and you shared so much of your life story and what's happened when your life has gotten interrupted. So how, how do you let God be in control? If our listeners are going through things in life, you know, I have a traumatic brain injury and I'm also a survivor of abuse. And that's something I've more recently started to share with the release of my new album. And I know that when you go through trauma and when you go through hard seasons in life, there's so much emotion and there's so much, I don't know how to explain it, but the healing process can be so up and down and forward and back and side to side. So for any listeners going through hard things in their life, what encouragement or what practical advice would you have on how to let God be in control? I think that it comes down to, to reading your word and leaning into him, like truly leaning in to who God is in your life, defining your identity in Jesus Christ. It's not about you. It's about him. We are merely pilgrims. So when we can focus our attention on him completely, that's when everything gets revolutionized. Now, granted, that's not easy because human nature is selfish. We are a selfish society. It's all about me, 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 me. But instead focusing on who God is and what our identity is in him, also focusing on how you can serve his people, to be his hands and feet here, to love people bigger and better, to love them and see them the way Jesus sees them. Trusting God is not easy because it's like, how can I trust something that I, I can't tangibly feel in my hands? But that's the thing about trust. It's a choice. It's like love. Do you think every day, like, I feel like totally being in love all the time. No, but I choose to love. I choose to love my husband. So we have to choose to trust. It's a choice. 
It's not a feeling. It's a choice. I choose you. I choose to trust you because you have proven it. When you read through his word, he has proven it time and time and time again, how faithful he is and how he keeps his promises. He is not going to let us down. Now, he might keep his promise in a way that you didn't see coming because that happens quite a bit. Yeah, he kept his promises to me. My son's autistic. But he kept his promises to me. I went through a divorce. Well, he is still faithful and he is on the throne. And I tell you what, I wouldn't trade my son for the world because God knew exactly what he was doing. Now, my poor choice, eh, that was me. That wasn't him. But my son, that was God. And God saw something that I couldn't see. So, you know, you have to choose to trust. We choose. Yeah. It wasn't your, your album was called Trust. Yeah, it was. Talking about, yeah, trust. The song, I think my favorite song on there is God Who Moves the Mountains. Oh, yeah. Well, that, that song was actually chosen by my youngest son. He chose, he chose that song for me because he, uh, he was having a, uh, a nightmare one night and he was yelling out for me. He goes, mom, mom. He was, he was little. And earlier in the day, I'd heard that song from a batch of songs that the label had sent me. So I went to his room and he was telling me about this story. He was saying that he had this dream that, that Satan was trying to take over the world. And I was like, you had a dream that Satan was trying to take over the world? He goes, yes. And he was crying. And I told him, I said, buddy, let me tell you a secret. I said, Satan is trying to take over the world. I said, but do you believe in Jesus? He said, yes. I said, do you believe Jesus lives in your heart? He said, yes. I said, well, then you never have to fear or worry because you know the God who moves mountains. And all of a sudden that, all of a sudden that song popped in my head. So I went back to my room. I grabbed my phone and I put that song on. I put it next to his, his little head in his bed and I played it and I just closed my eyes and started lifting up my hands and worshiping God. And I opened my eyes. I look at him and he's got tears coming down his face, but not tears of sadness. It was tears of like, just the presence of God was so sweet in the room. Oh, wow. Yeah. I told him after, I was like, buddy, you know, the God who moves mountains, he parts the seas. Did you know that even the rocks cry out to him? He is, he is everything. I said, you never have to fear. So, so yes, we know the God who moves the mountains. Yeah. Oh, I love that story. That's so great. <laughs> yeah. That's so, that's so sweet. My story. So sweet. Yeah. <laughs> love him. Yeah. So you talk about trusting in God, right? So your son is autistic and yes. you and I have had a number of conversations regarding, you know, living with a brain injury and sort of some similarities. And mm -hmm. one of those things is that fine line between accepting this, mm -hmm. but yet still having faith and hoping. 
Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah. Okay. So as this is, this is how I look at it because yes, my son is autistic. Yes. You have a brain injury, right? So that is the path that God has had and set for you and set for my Zealand. Okay. When he gives us a path, we can choose what we want to do with it. Right. How do I put this? So, so it makes sense. We want to have every opportunity for success. I want my son to have every opportunity for success. So me getting him therapy, speech therapy, occupational therapy, music therapy, it does not mean that I am spitting on God's gift to me, but it means I am being diligent and being trustworthy of the gift that he has given me in Zealand. And the same goes for you. This is not the plan you had for your life. God set your course and here you are. Or your course has been set. I don't know how you want to look at it, but your course is set. And now what do you do with it? You have to have wisdom. What can I do to have the best success at life? Because I could just sit here and wait for the lottery and just hope I win and just sit in my sit on my couch and just trust I'm going to win the lottery or I can get up and work. So it all looks different for each and every one of us. But I, I do believe that we cannot be lazy. We do have to work on what God has set in front of us. Do I hope my son, I, I hope and pray that he understands he, he gets to experience, you know, a full life of marriage, children. But I don't know if that's going to happen. But I'm going to try and give him every opportunity at having that experience within our world. I don't know if he'll ever drive. But you know what? Last year, I got a go-kart. And wouldn't you know it, Zealand is an incredible driver. So, you know, all those things, we have these journeys that we're on, but we also have uh, the tools around us to give us the best success at the journeys we are on. I love how you put that by having the tools around us and continuing to move forward and take those opportunities, right? Yeah. Given to you. Yeah, Whether you have a brain injury or chronic illness, we have a lot of listeners who've had chronic illnesses, and I've interviewed a number of of women that live with chronic illness, and it's something that you never expect, and you don't want, and you don't ask for brain injury. You know, it happens unexpectedly. One moment, your whole life is different. But when it's your reality every single day, you have to learn how to shift your perspective and trust in the Lord, like you Mm -hmm. were saying, right? Trust and hope for the best. You did choose to trust. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And work hard and, you know, do the therapies and do the treatments and the things that could help you and see what works and get a second Mm -hmm. opinion and leave no stone unturned, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. You have to, you have to put in the work and the time and the effort, which is hard. Mm-hmm. Cause it, it would be so much easier just to lay back and just, well, this happened to me. 
So I can't do anything about it. This is, this is God's will for my life. No. He also gives you the tools around you. See, that's, it goes back to this. He has been equipping you far beyond your understanding. Way before you ever knew. Mm-hmm. And sometimes God's will for our life. I mean, I, I wouldn't necessarily. I don't think that the Lord's will for us is ever to cause us pain, but he does want us to Absolutely grow. Not. And he mm-hmm. he gives us the ability to turn a painful situation into something beautiful. And so he is able to make it even better. You know, you know that Japanese art form there they use gold. So I've I heard of this at a brain injury conference I was at a couple of years ago. And basically there's this Japanese art form, I forget what it's called, but they take pottery and they break it and then they put it back together, filling it with gold. So all the cracks in the pottery are now filled with pure gold and it's more valuable than it was before it was broken. Hmm. We did a little exercise with that at the brain injury conference that I went to. It was an art therapist that had a room and she brought in the brain injury survivors. I was there giving the keynote but I always participate too. Like I like to hang out with everyone. So I was giving the keynote address, but I went into the workshop. I was like, oh, art therapy workshop, I'm there. So I went in there and she gave us these pieces of glass and she gave us, it was like these little glass rocks and then a hammer. And literally we broke them. Mm. And then she gave us gold paint and glue to put them back together And they became more beautiful. And just the process of making that, it was like, you know, she didn't intend for it to be like spiritual or anything, but she wanted it to be a metaphor for us as brain injury survivors. But I think it can relate to anything. And I was just thinking about how the Lord does that with us. Like I have so much more compassion through everything that I've gone through and so much more love for the people around me. And like, even with starting this podcast, wanting to share love and encouragement and interview women with sharing their stories. I never had this passion for women's ministry before I was, before I went through hard circumstances. Yeah. Coming out of it and coming out of, especially the abusive relationship, God has shifted my heart into this passion to help women that I never had before. And I feel so much closer to God than I did before any of this. And I would never have asked for the pain. Yeah. I believe that God, God comforts our heart. He's healed me from my pain and he's replaced it with joy. (laughs) So that's what he does. And so I just was, as you were speaking, I got that picture of that Japanese art back in my mind with the, with the gold, because he turns our scars and our wounds into something even more beautiful. And I think you'd probably agree like that through our struggles, we learn how to trust God deeper and it it becomes something more beautiful. Well, he's refining us. He's refining you. He's refining me. He's refining us, fine tuning us, if you will, fine tuning us to seek him bigger and better, to trust him bigger and better. So before we end, I did want to ask you about kind of what's happening in our world right now. You know, the pandemic, life is looking different for a lot of us. I just wanted to ask you any encouragement to our listeners. Well, 
we can sit there consuming the news and consuming the negativity and consuming like all the stuff that's that we're that we can keep feeding our fears or we can focus in on eternity focus in on what god is trying to show you because now he has your attention he wants to show you something he, he is he he is chasing you if this is a, your opportunity to turn around so that he can stop chasing you and just meet you where you are do it don't waste it that's good and i think that contributes to all life, right? <laughs> Not to waste yeah. our, our life, really. Yeah. Um, so yeah. back to your book. Your book is called When God Rescripts Your Life. Is there any last words of wisdom for our listeners in trusting God through a life that's been interrupted? Just God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of love and of a sound, a power, love and a sound mind. So rest in the knowledge that God is not surprised and God will take Take this and turn it for his glory. I promise you this, after this whole, you know, stuff, when it's over, we are going to be shocked to see how he is glorified through it. So just wait for that. That's, ex- that's, that's exciting to me. So just trust and know that God is in control. And it's okay to let go of control because what's at the core of control? The need for control is fear. Trust that God is in control and he's on the throne. He always has been and he always will be. He is right now. Amen. (laughs) Amen. I love that. Trust that he's in control. (laughs) Yes. So is there anything else you wanted to share that I haven't asked you? No, it's all good, baby. Thank you. You're the best. Thank you so much for coming. I love you. I love you too so much. Thank you so much for taking the time to do this interview. It really means a lot to me. And I know that our listeners are going to be really encouraged by what you've had to share today. So relatable and so much wisdom in that. So thank you. Well, thank you, love. I appreciate you guys. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. So I'm going to put the link to your book in the description of this podcast. If anyone wants to hear more of her story, you can read her book called When God Rescripts Your Life. It's also available on the shelves at stores. You can get it at Barnes & Noble or anywhere else like that and listen to her music. I love you. And thank you. And connect with her on Instagram and all that stuff. So awesome. thank, thank you, you baby. Thank so you. much. And I hope I get to see you really soon. <laughs> I know. I know. Okay. Talk to you soon, love. Yes. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time on Declaration Life. Would love to connect with you on Instagram at Declaration Life or at ChristabelBraden.com slash Declaration Life. Subscribe and join for new episodes as we explore what it means to live a Declaration Life.